0: I've just been thinking, as I sit here in the muse over the past few months, I'm reminded of the poet's words, often the stilly night our slumber's chains hath bound me, fond memories bring the light of other days around me. I've had a few uh, thoughts that I would like to pass on to you. A mixture of poems, hymns, and my comments. All as usual, probably a bit disjointed, but I trust will be encouraging to all of us as well. Summer over here is rapidly slipping by. The blackbirds, probably my favourites in the garden. They ignore me completely as I pass, are busy with their second hatch of skinnies. I think the seagulls seem noisier than ever this year. The little hedge sparrows dodge back and forth through the shrubbery as I walk down the drive in the late evening. And of course the little cheeky rubble that lives in the creeper at the bottom of the garden. Is as brazen as ever. Said the robin to the sparrow. I should really like to know. Why these anxious human beings rush about. And hurry so. Said the sparrow to the robin. Friend I think that it must be. That they have no heavenly father. Such as curse for you and me. Jesus said, Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God? Fear not therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. The weather this past month has been very windy and quite wet. The forecasters never seem to get it just right. How often we hear on the radio there will be wind and rain elsewhere will be sunny. The forecaster said there will be thunder and glare And rain by the bucket will fall in Kenmare. So I am now minded, provided I find it, to spend the weekend in sunny elsewhere. My time in the garden these days seems to be mostly spent pushing a fly mow. The summer, as we said, has been poor. However, today is what we would call in Ireland a soft day. Winifred Letts' poem, and I think she must have lived in a thatched cottage, sums it up. A soft day, thank God. A wind from the south with a honeyed mouth. A scent of drenching leaves. Briar and beech and lime, white elder flower and thyme, and the sulking grass smells sweet, crushed by my two bare feet. While the rain drips, 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 drips from the eaves. A soft day, thank God. The hills, where a shroud of silver cloud, the web the spider weaves is a glittery net, the woodland path is wet, and the soaking earth smells sweet under my two bare feet, and the rain drips, 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 drips from the leaves. Scripture has a lot to say about gardens, and many hymn writers have waxed eloquent on this topic. Here is a short poem by well-known Anon. Three Gardens, Eden, Gethsemane, and the Sepulchre Garden. The Lord God planted a garden. In the time when the world was young. When angels for joy had shouted. And the morning stars had sung. The Saviour knelt in a garden. When the world was steeped in sin. The shadow of Calvary o'er him. soul agony fierce within. The Lord Christ walked in the garden in the dawn of a bright new day. Triumphant o'er sin and Satan, death's terrors all passed away. The firstborn of many brethren, of a new creation, the head. Christ Jesus, the Lord of glory, is risen from the dead. And that, of course, is the basis of our faith. Christ Jesus, the Lord of glory, is risen from the dead. There's one hymn I don't know whether I've sung it for a long time, but it's one I've always liked. I've come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear the Son of God discloses. He speaks and the sound of his voice is so sweet. The birds hush their singing and the melody that he gave to me within my heart is ringing and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known. Some time ago I went to the funeral of a very dear friend of ours. It was a painful experience. One hymn drearily sung, a few modern pop tunes blared out, a meaningless eulogy, a short psalm read, prayers said, rather than words prayed from the heart to a loving God. Altogether a very depressing event. On the outskirts of our town here there was a field of remembrance organised by the cancer nursing organisation Marie Curie. Hundreds of daffodils planted in memory of loved ones who had died. Quite a moving sight but on that day some were past their best. After the funeral I went and strolled among the daffodils, they called it the field of hope. I dreamt I strolled along the splendid field of hope last week. So many tears are planted there, so many memories of days which now are past. But in the mind of loved ones, still as fresh as all those golden blooms reflecting glorious sunshine rays. But then, alas, among those hope inspiring blossoms, there for all to see the ever present hand of death, robbing me of colour, joy and hope, reminding me that in the midst of life we are in death. My life, like grass, the wind of death, sweeps o'er and it is gone. How can I cope? This world is hard. Our life is full of toil but as a vapour Soon is gone. What shall I wear? What shall I eat? I must press on and always strive to win. But Jesus says, Consider all the flowers. Why take ye thought for clothing? The lilies of the field, look how they grow. They toil not. Neither do they spin. I came to give you hope. I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, though you may die, yet you shall live For foray with me. Do you believe in this? I am the way, the truth, the life, the only way to God. Great hope is here for me. I must take Jesus at his word. Or else this promised life and hope I'll miss. And now it's Easter once again. A time for Easter eggs and chocolate bunnies for the kids. A time of holiday and fun. But what has this to do with Jesus Christ and me? He says, I came to die, to give you life. I came to save you from your sins. I rose again to life that all may know and have eternal life through me. I said this was going to be a bit of a mixture. Well, here's a prayer translated from the Irish. I've had it on my desk for years. There's a lot of people out there with weak hearts, unsteady. How strong is your heart? May all transitory things, O Lord, be worthless in my eyes, and dear to me everything that is Thine, and Thou, O Lord, above all things. Give me a watchful heart, which no sinful curiosity may lead astray, which no unworthy affection may debase. Give me, O Lord, a strong heart which no temptation may overcome. Amen. I said we'd been thinking about gardens and here's a poem from a few years back. The Lord God. a garden eastward in Eden. And there man walked and talked with God, then miserably failed and lived in fear of God, who, walking in the garden, called his name. Adam, where art thou? I made a choice. I heard your voice. I hid myself when you drew near. The centuries rolled by. Jesus the last or second Adam came to seek and save the lost of Adam's race and give them victory or sin. A gentle, loving man who went about just doing good teaching those lost and broken on this weary race of life the way to run the course and win. And yet, they crucified the Son of God at Calvary between two thieves. They took him from the cross and laid him in a new rock, garden, tomb, Stone was rolled across the door and sealed as if to keep him in. His friends looked on. Their saviour dead. The outlook clouded gloom. Three days and nights have passed. Some women with anointing spices they have bought go to the garden tomb only to find the stone removed and Jesus risen. He's not among the dead, two angels say. Go tell his friends he'll meet them as he said in Galilee before he died. Confused they run to tell the news the angel messengers had given. for Jesus' friends behind closed doors these last three days have been confused and fearful. He is risen from the dead. That's what's being said by angels and these women. What does it mean? How can it be? Then suddenly Jesus himself appears and says peace be to you and lets them see his nail-pierced hands and feet to show it's him. Down through the corridors of time God's voice still calls to all of Adam's race and Jesus says, Come unto me who labour and need rest He gives his peace which passes understanding. He slakes our thirsty inner souls with everlasting water. He died to bear our sins and rose again. And from our guilt and shame he brings release. Christ purged our sins. So we may know that we are cleansed from sin. We're justified. Made righteous before God by Jesus' blood. Through Jesus' death we're reconciled to God. Because he lives, we're guaranteed a life with him. Because I live, he said, ye shall live also. We joy in God through Jesus Christ for all that he has done by saving us by blood. Now there are some average hymns, some good hymns and there are some great hymns. This is one of the great hymns. It is a wonderful hymn of personal testimony and assurance and comfort to us, also about a walk in the woods and valleys, O Lord, my God, when I, in awesome wonder, consider all the works thy hands hath made, I see the stars, I hear the mighty thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. When through the woods and forest glades I wander and hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees, when I look down from lofty mountain grandeur and hear the brook and feel the gentle breeze. And when I think that God, his Son, not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in, that on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart? Then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim, My God, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, My Saviour God to Thee, How great Thou art! How great Thou art! Then sings my soul, My Saviour God to Thee, How great Thou art! How great! Thou art. The splendor and truths contained in this hymn are truly magnificent. The question I must ask myself is how may I obtain the assurance overflowing in this hymn, assurance of a life with God in eternity? I must believe. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. It is so simple. Churches have made it so difficult. We must do something. Perform some act of repentance. Take the sacraments. Be baptised. Join a church. Keep the commandments. Follow a creed. Whatever. In the Bible... And, for example, in John's Gospel, especially, it is a matter of, as the hymn said, believing. Here are a few verses just taken at random from John's Gospel. John 1.12 But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name the well known chapter and verse John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 5.24 Verily, verily, Jesus speaking, I say unto you He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. And shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death unto life. You know there are many more. But here's conversely. John 8.24 Jesus speaking, I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. The world will be judged for not believing. John 3.36 He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth. On him. If we turn down the gift of God, which is eternal life, now we wonder: Did the apostles actually preach this message? Well, just one example, a simple one. In Acts sixteen, we have the story of Paul and Silas, that uh, had been working, and they had been arrested scourged and put in prison. They moaned and groaned. Not a bit of it. They started their own songs of praise. There was an earthquake. The prison doors opened. The jailer was about to commit suicide as he thought the prisoners had escaped. It would have been a jobs worth situation in ancient Rome much more probably life's worth but Paul stopped him and then the jailer asked sirs what must I do to be saved and they said believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved I must recognise an important fact as this hymn says, that on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Christ died for the sins of the world. Jesus on the cross shouted, It is finished. The sin question had been dealt with, a righteous God had been satisfied. The large curtain in the temple. In Jerusalem, separating God from man was ripped from the top to the bottom. A vivid practical demonstration of what spiritually had occurred on Calvary. All of us had now access to God through Jesus Christ. Access to God through an earthly priest was not now necessary. And now, for all who believe, sin will not be imputed. That means sin will not be accredited to us. It will not be laid at my door. Paul in Romans gives a very interesting example. He says in Romans 4, from verse 4, Now to him that worketh, is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Then he reminds us what David said, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom The Lord will not impute sin. It is not a question of paying or doing something to help God out in some way to get my salvation. By faith I must accept this fact. Christ has done it all and then make him the object of my faith and worship and seek to follow him. I receive the Holy Spirit in my life forever. I receive eternal life. Jesus speaking to his critics said. John 10. But ye believe not. Because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. And I will give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. They shall never perish. Therefore, I shall never perish. What does never mean? it means never and as this hymn says we are guaranteed a home in heaven where we will meet our loved ones someday when Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home what joy shall fill my heart then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim my God how great thou art. The problem seems to be with many people most churches have made it difficult. Paul speaking to the Corinthians speaks of the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. And then finally Another great and wonderful hymn encapsulating all the thoughts expressed in the last hymn written by a man called George Matheson in 1882. He wrote a few other hymns but he said he had great difficulty writing hymns. He used to go back and change a word and twist it round a little bit. But he wrote this particular hymn in a very short space of time something like 10 minutes or 15 minutes. He never went back Never had to change it, and it's the same today as the one that he wrote in 1882. O love that wilt not let me go, I rest my weary soul in thee. I give thee back the life I owe, that in thine ocean depths its flow may richer, fuller be. O light that follow'st all my way, I yield my flickering torch to thee. My heart restores its borrowed ray, That in thy sunshine's blaze Its day may brighter, fairer be. O joy that seekest me through pain, I cannot close my heart to thee. I trace the rainbow through the rain, And feel the promise is not vain, That morn shall tearless be. O cross that liftest up my head, I dare not ask to fly from thee. I lay in dust life's glory dead, and from the ground there blossoms red, Life that shall endless be. And that's all. Except to say, May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. The rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand.